Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, it's time for the baseball podcast on location. Well, one of us is on location. The other is in my basement, and that's me. So coming to you live from Mesa, Arizona, is Bally Sports senior MLB writer David Brown. Ho, 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 Cam. How you doing, Andy? I've never been better. So uh, I hear the weather is cold in Arizona. Beautiful in Arizona, yeah. But how cold is cold? It is forty degrees. Oh, that's cold. Before the sun came up, that qualifies. Fine, I will have sympathy for you. I, sports writers, sometimes I worry. That's yeah, fifty-eight degrees. Well, tough shit. Put a jacket on. But forty. That's it. And rainy, right? It's also rained. Yeah, there was uh, yesterday. It was monsoon looking and. Uh, there was a little bit of rain a couple of days earlier, and people drive absolutely, let's just say, too conservatively. Yeah. Yesterday, I mean, it was coming down. It was, uh, it was bad. It was, you know, getting ready for a flood kind of rain, and uh, uh, made my day go a little slower and take a little longer. But I'm got the luckiest uh, job in the world, or I'm the luckiest job in the world. I don't know. I'm very happy that. Uh, I have an opportunity to do this. It's fun for the most part. It was raining so hard. The Cubs were putting prospects on the arc two at a time. <laughs> so uh, who who have you seen? What teams have you seen so far? I feel like I've seen the Padres every day. I've seen them way too much. Um, but I've seen uh, first night, first day I was here, I saw Shohei Otani. Oh, very nice. And the Angels against the Oakland Athletics. And uh, before he took off for uh, Japan and the WBC, I've seen the Rangers and the Dodgers and uh, today the Mariners and the Padres again. And I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody so far. But, yeah, it's a lot of doubles. It's like baseball cards, a lot of doubles. But there's uh, – 15 teams, and I'm I'm sure I'm eventually going to get to most of them. So. Yeah, you're only halfway through your trip to Arizona. Yeah. So that's good. Um, did you see Shohei? Did he actually play in a game, or he just you just saw him, you know, play and catch? And, or was he just working? I out? did. I saw Shohei pitch. Oh, nice. He did not DH as well, so I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, there were at least 40 credited 
writers from Japan there. And I don't think that even counts the photographers. It was crazy. It was Shohei versus Shintaro, who is uh, a, a good pitcher over in Japan and over with and now with the A's for at least this year. He doesn't hit like Shohei. Uh, he's like a you know a one ten hitter or something in Japan. So we're we're not that excited about no. having him DH. But they, that might actually be a, a good hitter on the A's. So maybe they'll, <laughs> they'll do that. Yeah, you know, they have to hit clean up if he's at one ten. Right. I might be exaggerating a little bit. I don't think he's quite that bad, but it's not good. But he, uh, he had a nice debut, and uh, I, I did write about it. Sometimes the stories are a little hard to find on the Bally website, but uh, I, I had a, a nice interview uh, as my boss at the AP, my former boss at the AP 25 years ago, Rick Gano would say, hey, why don't you go out and talk to some yahoos about Sammy Sosa? <laughs> and... Uh, so I talked to some nice people from Southern California, from uh, Anaheim, who actually were from Mexico and emigrated here when they were uh, 17. And uh, they were wearing Shohei jerseys, and uh, the, the, the lady and the couple had uh, uh, Otani in, in Japanese with the kanji characters in the back. That's a little different take on things. And there were you know dozens and dozens of people there with jerseys, and not too many had them like this. And I asked her about it and she said, you know, it's uh, it was kind of a, a show of support to him, you know, as a, a person who's an immigrant and not a uh, an English speaker first. She thought that uh, he kind of got a bad rap. I guess it was mostly from Stephen A. Smith, but it was from, you know, there are some people out there that don't think he should be or can be the face of the game because he's not from here and he doesn't do, you know, interviews in English and so forth. And she's like, you know, baseball's a a world game and there's players from all over the planet and MLB and Shohei's really perfect kind of example for everyone to set. So it was a nice little, you know, I thought she had a good take on it and uh, it was, uh, you know, a, a nice civics lesson too that I think people could learn once in a while. So that yeah, was I mean, the fun. Was, even for Stephen A, that was a just a ridiculous take. You know, if you're, if you're the best at something, you know, right, you're not penalized by doing it in your second language. So, um, so as as anybody, if you looked at a player and been like, "Ooh, who's this guy? He looks good." Anybody like made an impression on you so far? Yeah, um, straight. Just strangely enough, uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, Looks really good for the Mariners. Uh, you know, he's you know, maybe their third best player or whatever, but uh, he was st- uh, stinging the ball and making really good plays in right field. And um, I, you know what's impressive is I think with some of these guys, just how this might seem like a silly thing, but w- one of the most impressive things to me that ball players can do is that long toss where they, they throw it 80 feet and they don't move, and the guy's sticking his glove out, and he hits it. Yeah, I just think that's, you know, I know they're pros, and we should expect this, I guess. But to me, you know, it's like uh, the ultimate, like, grand prize bozo in the bucket game. It's just incredible amount of uh, accuracy. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing they, – I noticed this in regular season games, and they are doing it in spring training. I just thought that was really neat that uh, 
you know, they're, they're able to hit the glove like that. That's not even always outfielders who are doing it. So it's impressive. The thing about spring training that if people ever get a chance to go is you get closer than you do at uh, the major league games. It's just a little more intimate. You can uh, see them, you know, do their thing right up close. And um, it's uh, really a, a, a unique experience and take that everybody should try and do once if they can afford it. Yeah, I agree. I've been to several. Um, was hoping to get out there this year to get a nice close look at uh, Eric Hosmer grounding out to second base, but I, I'll have to wait to see him do it in the big leagues, I guess. Um, so when you go out, to, when you go out to do this, how like how many hours are you spending at the park? Do you get out early to see stuff and then stay for the game? Do you? What's it's a it's a good question. The schedule is a little different than major league and you kind of a regular season and and you have to get used to that they start so damn early like this morning uh the mariners clubhouse is a little different i think than other clubhouses they uh the access is much more restrictive these days than it was even 10 years ago you know for baseball writers and uh, the mariners were open at seven in the morning so you know usually you're looking at the earliest is going to be like 9.15, 9.45, depending on what time the game starts in, in a day game situation. And a lot of times the players will come in even later than that. But uh, 7 o'clock and, uh, you know, they come in and uh, at least today, uh, you know, started working maybe um, maybe about 8 and would, uh, you know, they go out to their stations and they do, do – uh, some batting or fielding drills or, you know, working out, whatever. Uh, it, it is a little bit like during the regular season. You know, they have batting practice and pitchers and catchers will be warmed up in the bullpen. And um, it's neat because you can go out to the different stations and see uh, the, the pitchers doing their thing or you can go out on, on the field to batting practice up to a certain point. They don't want you to go on to uh, uh, on the grass. So they try and keep you off that. But um, – so, and it, it just depends on what you want. You know, the manager probably will speak uh, an, an hour into the, the event. Uh, you can go into the clubhouse for a while and talk to the players. You can um, go see them uh, practicing outside uh, pretty much up until one o'clock in the game. So there's, I mean, there's four or five hours of stuff going on before the, the, the first pitch of the game. And it's it's uh, it's kind of funny. You you uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you can uh, uh, talk to the starting pitcher who comes out of the game, and he goes into the clubhouse, and the game is going on still. So uh, you know, it's but it's an exhibition game, so you don't really care that much if you're missing stuff. So it's uh, it's just a little bit of a different animal than uh, than regular season baseball. But you're you're saying that they wouldn't let you like go out and shag fly balls during batting practice like uh, like little kids at the home run derby they frown on that oh you know what i saw today yeah speaking of those things ichiro in full i mean full practice uniform at the mariners shagging fly balls in a random batting practice day for for them it's like um it, it was very neat to see ichiro he's in ichiro shape yeah. so very trim and uh very gray if not white on his in his hair, but it just it's he I, he, I don't know if he doesn't have anywhere to go, 
um, or anything else to do, but he's he's out there still. It's like he's a I don't like a fantasy camper, but it's kind of like that. And um, it's neat to have him around, but I just wonder if you know he's about my age, so he's about he's I think he was born in seventy two or three. Um, if he's just kind of sad that he can't play anymore and this is as close as he can get then uh, I don't know that to be to be the fact but I think it's possible yeah he's born in uh, uh, October of 73 okay he's 49 he uh, you know he he didn't have a very long career he only played professional baseball uh, for uh, 27 seasons can, when you include <laughs> the, the Japanese league. So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, sounds impossible to play that long. But Edgar Martinez was there. All the great. Uh, not well. We didn't see Randy Johnson, but Dan Wilson, Barrington's own Dan Wilson. Yeah, he's a, a an instructor in spring training. So it was uh, like old baseball card day uh, with the Mariners. So they're they bring back their old people and they hang around. They also have a dog. Oh, they do. They have a rescue dog, kind of a firehouse dog, a clubhouse dog named um, Tucker. Uh, Scott Service's wife uh, is really into rescuing animals and uh, that industry, basically. And um, they have a guy who... Uh, it slipped my mind what he does if he's the traveling secretary or something to that effect. Uh, and he's got a dog in his office and I, I played fetch with it today. (laughs) And he's very, uh, Tucker is very, I think he's four years old and he is a rescue, as I said. So he's, it's kind of a, uh, a little bit of a paradox or a contradiction because he's pretty skittish and, there's you know a million huge baseball yeah. players around and lots of strange media people coming in and out and they're different people every day so i think he's uh, got a little bit of anxiety that it, uh, it probably will take years to ease but um you know he actually barked at me a little bit um and i felt bad because i i consider myself like you know a friend to all dogs if only they would just know, know that and uh, but he 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 chilled out and I uh, his his human gave me a tennis ball and I threw it down the hallway a bunch of times and got to pet him a little bit and you know that's what I that's what I mean when I say it's a, it's a privilege it's very yeah. odd and weird that a baseball team has a dog and you know I got to meet it so I'm I'm very happy with uh, with that it made my day. We had one of our rescues was a very skittish dog when we first got her. She was two. Yeah. She's nine now. When you couldn't even like, you could not walk up to her and pet her without her, like she would circle around and then come back and go, okay, now you can pet me. Like you couldn't just reach down. She wouldn't let yeah. you do it. She would get, get herself situated. Then she would like you to pet her, but you couldn't. That dog now, uh, I was telling you that we had a couple of days last week where we didn't have any power, and I got very cold, and I woke up, and she was completely sprawled across me, using me for uh, her heating pad. So she got over her skittishness. But uh, I, I understand the, uh, that. Um, it's a it's a golden, if, if, I, if I didn't mention, it's a golden retriever, Air Bud-ish Oh, nice. Dog. Yes. 
So one thing that you can't help but notice when you watch these spring training games on TV, and I'm wondering what what, what it's like in person, uh, is the uh, the ever-present pitch clock. Yes. Um, and the kind of effects intended, and I guess they're all intended, but things you might think of that are going to affect the game and then things that you're kind of surprised. I think we all knew just the basic idea that it's, Pitcher's got to throw the ball within, pitch the ball within 20 seconds with nobody on, or 20 seconds, yeah, with nobody on base. Or is it the opposite? You get more time. So 20 seconds with a base run or 15 seconds if nobody's on. The part I don't think, I know I certainly didn't think of, is this thing where the batter has to be set eight seconds with at least eight seconds on the clock. I didn't and, know about that before. I didn't. I did not realize that detail before I saw these games. But being set, the umpires are basically taking it as be in the box and looking at the pitcher. Uh, like Eric Hosmer, the F4 mentioned Eric Hosmer got an automatic strike today. He's in the box, he's set, but he's looking at the ground. He hadn't looked up at the pitcher and he got a strike call time. He was, he didn't seem to care. <laughs> it's spring training. It was strike two. It was very quickly strike three after that. He just kind of laughed. Um, but that seems a little um not informal i don't know the word i'm looking for um like that whole the bat determining how the if when the batter is ready seems a little too ambiguous to me subjective yes i don't know is this hey next year we're gonna have they're all going to be calling balls and strikes we got to give them something to do so they can they can stare at the hitter and see if they think he's ready well, I think um, the, the players look at it like this, that, you know, they have a month or so to iron these kinks out and to, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to go looking for trouble as far as borrowing trouble, as far as worrying about how the, you know, the Joe West impulses uh, of umpires might take over at some point. It might be adversarial in that way. I think they, they're kind of just crossing their fingers that it's, uh, it's something that it, people will get used to like other rule changes. And by the time opening day comes, we're not going to have too many situations like that. I think that's at least what they hope. Um, so I guess we can't, I mean, we'll know better when obviously they, they do this in the big, where, where do we think the clocks are going to be in the big league parks? Cause apparently like the one on the backstop, in the spring training parks, they said is more in well, the sh- it is more like in the TV shot than it's actually going to be in the big league parks. They're gonna move it over. They're gonna keep, they're gonna try to keep it out of the basic behind the pitcher shot. You know, I I've heard, but I don't know if this is actually going to be true. But I've heard people have been asking this question, and you know, I've seen a couple games where you know you can't see it behind home plate and they have to put it in the score bug and it's going to be somewhere else in the ballpark. I don't know if there's like standard place. I mean, that it has to be somewhere that, you know, the pitcher can see it. Um, But I don't think it's going to be something that we're going to be able to see um, on that, that typical shot from behind the pitcher. So I think it, it depends on how the games are produced you know, the, the, the TV show itself. So, um, 
I don't know. It's, uh, you know, the whole eight seconds thing seems arbitrary. And, you know, defining what set is seems arbitrary. And uh, Colton Wong, our Cardinals friend, had a good idea. He, he's a couple things. He, he kind of thinks that maybe hitters should get that walk-up time back. And it shouldn't necessarily be as, as uh, tight as other pitches in the in the sequence. Not only that, but because so we can play the entire more of the uh, yeah. the walk up song. You know, he's serious because it's a uh, I don't know, just part of the, the the habit and the routine and the aesthetic that we've kind of gotten used to there. So, um, I thought that was a good suggestion, but no, that does make sense. You know, it it can basically yeah. start. The first pitch of the at bat, the, the timer starts basically when the batter starts to get in the box. That's when we're going to fire that up, and then we'll run it like they've been running it on every subsequent pitch. Marquee is one of the net, one of the channels that has the pitch clock in the score bug, and it's annoying as hell. I don't know why we need it. I don't know why we need to see it. I thought the whole idea was it's just to keep the game moving, and if there's a violation, then the announcers can tell us. I don't need, I'm, like right now, while we're recording this, I'm looking up, there's SNY, there's a game on from earlier today on MLB Network, and they're doing the annoying, like the play clock at a football game. They have it, they have an actual shot of it, like the camera is pointed at it, and they have a little box next to the score bug with the, it's like, I don't need that. It's like may I, if they're doing it just for spring training to like get us used to it, that's fine. But once the season starts, I don't want to see the damn clock. Just speed the game up, and I'll just watch the game. I don't need to, you know. I I'd like to think that that's where it's going. You know, like you, I think you were saying, um, maybe a little of this is the people who are producing the games thinking that the fans are curious about seeing it, and um, but it's uh, you know. I think for like people at the game, depending on where you sit in the ballpark, because I was thinking about this during the game watching uh, Logan Gilbert pitch for the Mariners, and I couldn't see. I was in the stands for some things. I, um, you know, there's a press box, there's a kind of a little bitty press box, and you can go if it's not sold out, and most games aren't. You can go in the stands and sit and watch and get a different vantage. It's kind of a, a cool way to watch the game. And I was thinking about uh, the pitch clock and how I couldn't see it and. I kind of, after a while, forgot about it. Yeah. So, um, which, which is sort of what you were saying about how you kind of want to watch the game and, and take it in without having it there. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, and it would just, it would just be a bit much for every pitch. It's not like a basketball possession, you know, where we, where we kind of want to watch the 24 second clock or whatever it is in the NBA now. So 35. When was the last time it was 24? Can you tell it's been a while since I watched NBA? It is. It's still uh, 24. Is it? Yeah. Or, oh, maybe I'm going to College keeps, every few years, college laps five seconds out there. Right. Now it's down to 30. No, but I think you're right. I think it's, uh, at least the idea should be to, to have us, everybody watching the clock less in the game um, with a little bit of a nudge uh, more organically just seems like it's going quicker because of if, because of the clock so but we don't have to see that countdown every damn time now i do like what the, the score is planning uh during cub ba- baseball on the radio while pat is calling the game zach zaidman 
is going to just softly say into his microphone, uh, 20 Mississippi, 19 Mississippi, 18 Mississippi, the entire game. It's going to be great. It's Especially if you have AM stereo. I can't stereo. tell if you're kidding or really you can actually In AM stereo, they're just going to put him in one of the speakers. So like he'll be sitting over your right shoulder when you're driving around. You hear Zach whispering into the, and then of course doing his fake laugh every few minutes. It'll be it'll be great. I mean, I could see them maybe coming up with, um, you know how like when the play clock in football gets down to like five seconds, it automatic it, it all of a sudden appears on the score bug in red. Like just do that. <laughs> right. If it gets down to like four seconds, put it up there, and then we'd be like, hurry, he's got a pitch, hurry up. But I don't need to see the rest of it. Um, so the, the throw over, we talked about the new rules the last time and we talked about the throw over rule. Have you heard about this? Uh, some teams are working on a strategy where after the pitcher has thrown over twice, they anticipate that, you know, who he's out of, he's, he's out of throw. Everybody's going to treat the pitcher like John Lester then. And they're going to get this huge yeah. lead. And they're like, we're going to throw over because it's only a violation if you don't pick the runner off. So there's actual teams that will, against some base runners, will purposely, they think, they're going to purposely use their two throws to bait the dumber base runners <laughs> into taking a bigger lead and going, he can't throw over here now, and then they'll throw over and pick him off. That apparently is already a strategy that some teams are thinking. And I don't know. It's too bad Ronnie Cedeno isn't still around, because he'd have been a prime candidate for somebody to do that to. Yeah. How about the big bases? Can you can you notice the bigger bases from the stands? I don't know if it's because I know they're bigger, but I feel like I can tell. Um, I yeah, it's, I think you can. It's it's funny. It's they're not quite like clown bases, but <laughs> uh, there is a, a, a noticeable difference. It just seems there's there's more white, which is you know that's how MLB's. Wants like, to play it, I guess. Just like the Cubs roster. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I didn't think it was yes. that big a difference until uh, all the networks have done the hack after the first game. They show an old base and the new base. The new base mm-hmm. is a lot bigger than the old base. It's it's When they're next to each other, it's noticeable. It's not as noticeable when you just look out on the field. But, I mean, they added, what, they're three inches wider and in both directions, right? That's a yeah, significantly I think it's 14 bigger. and a half to 18. Yeah. I haven't had a chance. There's been a lot of talk and, you know, how about the pitch clock and that kind of thing with uh, with, with everybody. I haven't really had a, a chance to talk to any base stealing types. Colton Wong maybe would have been good at, at some point about, uh, you know, being a couple steps closer to second. There are some crazy uh, stolen base numbers in the minor leagues with the bigger bases. So, um, and I don't know if that's also all you know, the pickoff stuff and, and whatever, but factoring in, but um, you know, you would think to some degree, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to get Vince Coleman and, and uh, you know, Willie Wilson numbers, but I think we'll, we're going to see more of that, uh, which is fun. It's uh, you know, the stolen base is uh, uh, kind of been taken out of the game because, it's uh, not a really high percentage play, and uh, all the analytics guys, you know, discourage it, and it's uh, hard on the body and all that. So, 
you know, Mike Trout doesn't really run anymore, and they tell Julio Rodriguez to cool it because he's running too much or running into the wall or whatever. So, but it's uh, th- there'll be more opportunities. We'll see if it means actual stolen bases, but there'll be more opportunities. Yeah, I would think an underrated, um, an underrated asset would be if you had a guy like Javi Baez, who is a great tagger. It's going to be harder to tag because there's mm. more base for the runner to try to get to. Um, just yet another reason why it'd be nice to sell Javi around for some things. But that's right. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about that at all. So let's not worry about that. Um, the big Cub news of the week was that uh, last week it was a it was a tragic tale in two parts that were inevitable to see. Seiya Suzuki shows up to camp looking ripped. Everybody's so impressed. Spent two days talking about his big muscles, and then, oh by the way, he he strained his quad or his uh, oblique. His oblique. And he'll be out some t- somewhere between five days and six months. And I felt bad for Seiya because he was so looking forward to playing in the World Baseball Classic again. And now he's got to sit in a tub in Mesa instead. Which is just too bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge bummer. We can't have nice things. I, I have a... I, I might have even mentioned this before that I have a, a hack theory that, uh, that all this working out and all these, you know, you were joking about it, but all these muscular young men, uh, you know, open themselves up to things like oblique injuries. Maybe they called it something different when, you know, Al Kaline was playing right field, but I never heard of that word, you know, and maybe even in the nineties. So he says you stitch. got muscles on top of muscles. So, uh, Al had a stitch in his side. That, <laughs> yes, that lingered for a month. Would you go? What did you go swimming too soon after you ate lunch? Is that what happened? Al? Right. Yeah, I'll be out for a month. Well, I wasn't really joking. I'm, when I, it's funny when I first saw him, I yeah, thought, right. "Uh oh, I don't think this is going to go well," because we've seen it, and it's like, "Oh no," and it didn't. Yeah, it's kind of the old. Um, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Is it um, the rise of you know training and getting yourself in better shape causes more injuries, or is it the 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 rise in medical like um, in just kind of the science of training and what we understand about the body? We just diagnose stuff more accurately than we used to. Guys play, some guys probably played through some stuff where it's like, oh God, you probably shouldn't have done that. So it's probably a little of both. Yeah. Some of the, some of the exercise, getting in shape, working different parts of your body that maybe look great, but might not be all that functional for baseball can lend you to getting injured more often. But it also could be that um, guys don't try to play through, you know, injuries that in the old days they would have and then turn it into something worse. I don't know. Yeah, it was that the old, certainly that sounds reasonable enough. Yes. Yeah, you know, it was the old. Though they didn't even have Tommy John, you know, nobody, nobody right. tore an ulnar collateral ligament back before the Tommy John surgery. It's like, oh no, they did. Those were guys who you look at their baseball card. 
and they pitched 308 innings one year, and they pitched 12 the next, and then you never heard of them again. Those were the guys right. who did that. They still tore that ligament. They just didn't know what it was, and they didn't know how to fix it. It didn't mean it didn't happen. Enjoy the rest of your time out there. Thanks. And then when you get back, we can, we can yeah. do a recap of the whole trip, maybe with Wi-Fi <laughs> that works. That'll be good. Right. All right, Andy. Okay. Well, thanks, Dave. Many of us have herpes. 